High schoolers are busy, but no one's too busy to help fight cancer. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is looking for their next student visionaries of the year. Could that be your child? High schoolers who participate in the seven-week philanthropic leadership development program gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Forming strong teams behind them, they fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor right in their local community. Most importantly, this campaign is an opportunity for high schoolers to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Sound like something your child might be interested in? You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. Vet bills can be expensive, but Spot Pet Insurance can give you up to 90% cash back on vet bills so you can worry less about high vet bills. Yep, up to 90% cash back on vet bills for unexpected accidents, illness, and even routine care. And with Spot Pet Insurance plans, you can go to any vet you want in the U.S. or Canada. There's no network you need to stick to, so visit your favorite vet and you can save money on expensive vet bills. That's Spot Pet Insurance. It's no wonder Spot is America's favorite pet insurance. Visit SpotPet.com for a free quote today. For all terms, visit SpotPetIns.com slash sample-policy. Spot Pet Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produce Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. This is an independent ad from Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Hi, it's Elise Lunan, host of Pulling the Thread. I'm an author, podcast host, and parent who built a long career in media. I grew up in a state of perpetual curiosity, investigating the world and asking a lot of questions. In this show, I chat with culture-defining leaders, thinkers, and experts about this rare moment that we find ourselves in and how to think about our own lives and experiences within a larger social and spiritual construct. When I would witness somebody that I identify with in whatever capacity of what I'm calling in, have what I want or are successful in what I would like to be successful in, or, you know, they are on that path to what I'm shooting for, I really realized that that would actually be tremendously more effective for my subconscious to go, oh, if they could do that, or if they are doing that, I can as well. So beyond all of the visualizing I did back in the day until I was blue in the face, this would speed things up and make it really rapid. So says Lacey Phillips, my guest today, a global manifestation expert and speaker and founder of To Be Magnetic. Lacey presents a unique manifestation formula rooted in basic psychology, neuroscience, and her energetic gifts. Lacey's manifestation formula is not your typical think positive and visualize method, but rather she's known for a much deeper and more therapeutic process that requires clearing subconscious blocks first. Only then can you begin to call in and work toward what you most desire. Lacey offers a comprehensive digital workshop program called The Pathway, along with an excellent podcast, Expanded. I highly recommend tuning in. 
Today, she shares with us the secrets of her manifestation success as we discuss everything from identifying our sticky subconscious beliefs to reading our nervous system and its readiness for change to how to respond to tests on the way to rediscovering our authentic, worthy self. Lacey tells us that seeing is believing when it comes to manifestation and encourages us to search for expanders, individuals, real or fictitious, who can broaden our concept of reality. She challenges us to turn our envy towards those who have what we want, using them as proof positive that what we want is not only possible, but achievable. Everyone is being offered a ticket on the manifestation train, she assures us. It's just a matter of whether we choose to get on. I'm actually a very good manifester, but where I always get stuck, which I like, I really credit you with putting people through these paces is I never growing up or even in my adult life have ever really given consideration to what I actually want Mm -hmm. or need and those being two distinct categories. And so I feel like the manifesting aside, which I want to get into what I am so impressed by what you guys focus on is that core identification. We talked about this before, the role of envy of finding these expanders in your life and reframing that as examples of how to take these micro steps or big steps forward. But like, what would you say is foundational? Is it that like understanding that actual desire? Because I know you yourself had so many trajectories and hit walls and now you are where you are. It's really interesting. And I guess to give just the teensiest bit of backstory, which I kind of like to preface because the way that I even came about with expanders is I tried the old new age model of manifestation for so long, you know, and many of us who are in that world are familiar with think positive, fake it until you make it vision boards, all of that stuff. And I really did it. But the key components that I found that were so important is we manifest from our subconscious that's huge. So getting back to that piece, I started to realize through mirror neurons and neuropsychology, essentially, I kind of, you know, I like to mix those two things together that I realized that when it comes to triggers and blocks and our subconscious imprinted belief system that we developed between zero to seven, as a lot of us know from simple psychology, that when it came to actually manifesting a really core piece rather than visualizing, you know, what you wanted into existence, which I think, you know, there's a lot of science behind that, that that's a really wonderful practice. But for me, it was actually when I would, my mirror neurons, I would meet people and I would see people that I identified with and one, you know, variation to another. So it could be how I grew up socioeconomically, it could be professionally, it could be age, you know, so it's not just they are identical to me, we call them fragment expanders, it can be aspects of, of what I'm manifesting, when I would witness somebody that I identify with, and whatever capacity of what I'm calling in, have what I want, or are successful, and what I would like to be successful in, or, you know, they are on that path to what I'm shooting for, I really realized that that would actually be tremendously more effective for my subconscious to go, oh, if they could do that, or if they are doing that, 
I can as well. So beyond all of the visualizing I did back in the day until I was blue in the face, this would speed things up and make it really rapid. And the other piece to it that I think is really healing in our society, which you and I talked about a lot on my podcast is it really took me out of the space. I call it I think my friends and I, a lot of us call it psychic static that I think women can have amongst each other. And that's a really big thing that we're taught, I think, in society to be pitted against each other or to compare amongst one another. I started to realize that a lot of that faded for me because I started to take envy and completely reframe it. And look at these people that I'm triggered by and realize, oh, the piece that I'm triggered by, either it's it's shadow, there's something in myself that I need to integrate, and I'm witnessing what we call expanders, or I'm actually witnessing completely and clearly a person that I desire to have what they have. So expanders completely transformed not only women relationships for me and the way that I, you know, see the world and view the world, but it really has sped up healing for me as well that, you know, I now, when I realize I'm being triggered by something that there is a piece inside of me that is receiving a gift, a mirror, like we talk about a lot in spirituality, I'm receiving this reflection, you know, through this amazing other being on the planet that's either showing me what I can have or what I want or what I'm growing into as a person, or they're showing me the work that I need to do to integrate within myself. So it's it's so beautiful. And when you kind of start to go into this lane of manifestation that's really based on neuroscience and psychology, it really takes a lot of that ambiguous gray area out of the picture. It's something you can work with. You know what I mean? And so I love, you know, I always talk about there are three things that have to be emotion to manifest. It's unblocking your subconscious limiting beliefs that you imprinted, expanding through expanders and really showing your subconscious, aha, that's possible. And then the third part is what we call aligned action. So taking action, you know, to, to show the self-worth piece, the integrated piece, that's what creates true magnetism. And so the piece of expanders is so big and probably the one that feels a little gray, but I feel like all of us who scroll on Instagram, (laughs) can find expanders within minutes because most often than not something will trigger us or something will inspire us. And either of those feelings, they're all relating back to the same thing, which is expansion. Oh, there's so much powerful stuff to unpack and what you just said. I mean, first this, the way that women are raised, which is typically on a, on a diet of scarcity of opportunity, you know, seats at the table roles We we are trained that, if there's room for one, that's it. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's not even tokenism. It's it's tokenism, right? But that that invariably were each other's enemies rather than seeing all of those other seats as potentially available to us. We've sort of been trained into this idea that it's you or me, Lacey. We can't both have abundance or the lives that we want. So I love that just sort of reframe of like, actually, this is the toxic myth that we continue to enforce and abide by that needs to be dismantled. So I think that that's really powerful. I think too, this idea of these limiting self-conscious beliefs, which get in the way. I mean, I do a lot of work with my subconscious beliefs 
in part because it is that, again, it's that whether it's internalized patriarchy or just internalized who do you think you are, but that instinct that we have to sort of be like, that's not possible for me without really examining why. And that it it, it runs on auto and that's also, you know, biologically so unhelpful of how how much work goes into changing your neural pathways and how simply they're imprinted so quickly and easily and and especially young childhood i mean i watch it with my infant you know she's 9 months old and i'm watching in real time where in her book we're opening it up and you see an apple and then you know she sees an apple on the table and then she feels it at the store and just how quick those neurons are firing and moving and imagine any of us all of us all openly say felt some version of shame or pain or very big versions of that throughout childhood. And then now we're having to really wrestle with that. And something that's been coming up for me lately, based on what you're talking about exactly, I think about this a lot because as someone who is has been chipping away at my subconscious, I'd say for at least 12 years now, consistently and consciously, and then has been expanding, you know, so much work to do. I think that'll be a journey forever for many people. Uh, But there's something that's been coming up for me a lot lately. And this is an interesting conversation, you know, may it be patriarchy, which I imagine it kind of has to be. I was walking down my front steps the other day and I was like, what would my life look like? What would I desire if I hadn't been shown any structure at all, you know, like everything that society says is structurally makes you happy. And I was thinking, you know, we have a house, we have the family, we have the dogs, you know, like this really quintessential, well, this is happy. We have the success, you know, we, we are in the place now monetarily, like we're comfortable and I'm like, great, but who would I be? You know, what would my partner desire? What would, we desire as humans if none of that had been fed to us. That's been such a big question coming up. And I know that you do, you've done Mm -hmm. so much research on, you know, different societies through the beginning of time. I mean, does that ever come up for you? Like, what would that be if we weren't in all of our like tiki tacky boxes? Like I just, that's something I've been really philosophizing on. Wondering what to give your mom or wife or daughter or friend or godmother for Mother's Day? From someone who cares a lot about her bed and sleep, may I recommend something from Cozy Earth? In fact, becoming a mom and suffering through its required sleep deprivation is where my obsession with sleep started. So it's one of those gifts that might really bring things full circle. After all, women in particular are really impacted by sleep deprivation, which has massive implications for our health. Between the hypervigilance of motherhood and the hot flashes of perimenopause and menopause, we get a raw sleep deal. So let me tell you about giving women you love their best night's sleep ever. Let me tell you about Cozy Earth. Their sheets are made from viscose from bamboo, and they are indescribably soft. So soft, like a bed hug, like no other. Now, I'm not the only mega Cozy Earth fan. Every single year since 2018, Cozy Earth products have been named as one of Oprah's favorite things. Oprah picked their best-selling bamboo sheet set because they're temperature-regulating and incredibly soft, and she picked their joggers and their socks and their pajamas. Meanwhile, Cozy Earth doesn't just make sheets. They also make pillows, blankets, and more. 
Cozy Earth makes their products by sourcing responsibly. They use the best suppliers with an eye toward quality, responsible production, cutting-edge technology, and premium materials. They're also incredibly durable. They get better with every wear, and they have an enhanced weave that is guaranteed not to pill even after washing and drying. All Cozy Earth products can be returned or exchanged within 100 days and include an additional 10-year warranty against defects. This Mother's Day, treat mom to the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize her self-care and sleep health. She deserves it. Don't forget to use my promo code THREAD at checkout for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. After placing your order, select podcast in the survey and select my show in the drop-down menu that follows so they know that we sent you. I think that the core, the sort of the the core tenets that you just mentioned are what make us human, right? Mm-hmm. The desire for connection and love and to be seen and to feel supported in how we're designed and the gifts that we're designed to bring. You know, I think the way that people's sort of inner gifts have been thwarted or suppressed is a tragedy, really. I think that we're all, you know, we are all part of this web of reciprocity. And it's particularly in a strange time, like we're all being called to sort of serve our purpose. It could be in parenthood, it could be in the wider world. Um, And again, we're like, obviously trained to compare and contrast who has it better, whose job is more important. But I think that our heritage is this affiliative partnership style, cyclical, like you come in, maybe you come in and you do your thing for a while, and then you retreat. But this supportive community that I do think love, family, procreation, like all of these things are core to who we are, mm-hmm. as is survival and safety and security. Completely. And I think, yeah. Like the, and, and I think that collectively when we were involved in like a time of mutual dependence and mutual aid, a lot of those concerns were taken care of. It's always so interesting to me that people talk about the stress of modern day and then they sort of compare it to like fear of lions and tigers. Because when you think about it, you would think that our forebears would be the most terrified, right? Like the idea of that is so terrifying. And yet, I mean, we have even hunting and gathering like or like first farmers, you know, not a crop completely, you know, going bad. You have nothing to eat. (laughs) That's stressful. But, you know, before sort of before we were agrarian, when we were nomadic, when we were gathering, primarily foraging, etc., I, apparently, we were not as stressed, and wow. I find that really interesting. Well, I think that we talk about sort of the modern, acute modern stress as like somehow greater or more significant than our our ancestors. But I think part of it was that we were all doing life together. So like, if I couldn't find any berries, Lacey, like you did find berries, and we took we parented in an, in an allo parenting style, and raise children communally. It's not that Teddy wouldn't be yours primarily, but that there were a lot of other people to take care of her. And absolutely. So I think that's who we really are. And we have been, we're really stuck in this cult of independence, rugged individualism. It is your job to go out and figure out how to do it all yourself and parent in these 
nuclear family ways and structure is important and we need markets we need all of this stuff it's not like a let's all just go back to the wilds but it is it's become bent and oppressive and very scarcity based Mm -hmm. when we also recognize like actually we live on a planet of abundance it's being distorted by like extreme disparities in wealth in a way that is not appropriate. Like, and then I, you know, obviously we won't get into politics, but it's this idea, it's like we need a little bit of, a little bit more socialism. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. we're going to be communists, but like Mm -hmm. we need to be taking care of each other. That is who we are. That is the point. So anyway, that's what I think that it would look like. I think it would look like the safety, those deep safety and security issues abated and all of us, actually doing this really important work, which is very hard, which is yeah. like, who am I? Yeah. What do I want and need? And what am I, how can I serve? Yeah, absolutely. That's so, I love this conversation because what you're touching on is true abundance, right? Like getting back to manifestation, that is true abundance. And even as someone who I would, myself, I would now label as being very abundant in all of the ways I like recognizing my privilege completely across the board from, you know, having a home to just food and all the, th- I mean, it's like, it's num- all the privileges. I really recognize that I have all of those, you know, and I see even people in our community who are also landing in that spot, you know, through this work. And so I look at it and it's like, I guess a bigger question that's been coming up for me lately is, are these conversations where it's like, how do we start in our small communities now, like making the greater changes, you know? So I guess there are two things here that I'm sort of coming up on to, to create this, this conversation, but it's like, number one, you know, getting something we're constantly looking at is trying to be accessible to allow people to get into the space of playing with manifestation, playing with energetics and abundance, you know, and that's through truthfully a lot of self-healing expansion and then taking action aligned action that aligns with their worth and, and really setting them up into a position of, of whatever that looks like for them, individual abundance. Okay. And then let's take the people who are arriving in that, you know, how do we start to use that abundance? Like what actions are you taking right now? And I know obviously these conversations, they're so important, but that's something that's been coming up for me lately. Like what is the next step in order to let this be a complete ripple effect, you know, and, and I don't quite know what that is yet. It hasn't hit me. I haven't channeled it yet, but it is something I continue to philosophize, especially as our brand grows, especially as we, we continue to reach, you know, bigger people and have different tiers of, you know, people who are just starting and just doing the, the subconscious unblocking and the healing and the work to the people who are now like advanced in, and they're also asking, okay, what's next, you know? And, and I would say specific with our community, we're one of the few that I think who are in manifestation that aren't like how to manifest a yacht. Like it's so not that at all. It's all about like your authentic self and integration uh, and what that looks like for you. So I guess yeah. the, there are quite a few things in there, but that's something, those are things I've been thinking about. And I'm like, oh, I want to yeah. talk to Elise about those. I love these ideas. And I think, you know, the not wanting to manifest a yacht, it's like, again, that's the arrival fallacy that so many of us are trained on. Like, well, if I just had a bigger 
your house. And if I just, and like, that is such a myth. I think many people are coming, arriving at that. Like what, and again, it gets to this, what are your needs and what are your wants? And I Mm -hmm. think for most of us, if we can satisfy our needs, which is that safety, security, and feeling a purpose, like that's pretty rad. Like that's pretty much, you know, typically I think what, what's deeply satisfying to most people, at least that's how I felt in my life. You know, I think what we're going through collectively a great awakening and some people have been awake for longer and clamoring for everyone else to wake the fuck up and are understandably Mm -hmm. impatient about that. I think that we're starting to just even in the last five years, 10 years, really see and have these conversations. Again, many that are decades old, but that are really going into mass consciousness about what is this system? And like, what are these systemic inequities? And how, what are we carrying forward? You know, you look again at the arc of humanity, and it's like, we are, might not feel that way, but becoming far less, you know, more and more humane and involved and less barbaric and horrible to each other over time. But these are, you know, in this book that I'm writing about and sort of trying to get through some of the history of the patriarchy as quickly as as possible in a way that people can really like grok without digest, yeah, digest without drowning them in it. Totally. But the foundation of patriarchy is enslavement. And it is women and children. Mm. And we were the one we were the first we were the first to be sort of otherized. It happened when, like, within the conquering of tribes. And that's where the art of enslavement was refined and perfected and where women were fed this idea that we are inherently inferior, where that idea became that we are less weak or we are weaker and less powerful. That's where that idea became natural. And then mm. that was the system of oppression, as we know, used until recently, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there's still variations of this happening throughout the world. We're not in a post-enslavement world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it has incredibly long teeth. And obviously, we're we're seeing that now in terms of reparations and understanding like how, how a lack of equity defines a world that we think for so many, we were always taught like, oh, you know, even... Frederick Douglass, right, talking about like, oh, well, this is a meritocracy and hard work and that sort of Puritan, that that work ethic will serve you well, anyone. And now Mm -hmm. we're sort of recognizing the mythology of that. So I feel like we're waking up to all of this and people Mm -hmm. are sort of starting to see the structure. And then once we see the structure, we can start to it's like it's like a meta subconscious belief system, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, but once we start to see these things and bring them into awareness, we can start to address them mm-hmm. and reject them mm-hmm. and heal them, solve them, integrate it, metabolize it. So I feel like that's collectively also what's happening, everything on the micro to the macro. And I think that... We're also seeing a great call around like the democratization of healing and how essential this is for all of us. Um, Mm -hmm. Accessibility. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're only as well as your least well child. Like we're only as well as our least well citizen. So I feel optimistic that we're actually now starting to understand the playing board and I think, you know, going back to manifestation, mm-hmm. these subconscious beliefs are sticky and deep, 
But do you, in your experience, and obviously you've workshopped so many people through this now, how quickly can they, once they're identified and like brought to air, how quickly do they resolve? It's really interesting because when we brought in right now, you know, we have a wonderful neuroscientist psychiatrist that we work with and we've had many podcast episodes we title the series explained. And so we hop on and we really talk about like the neuroscience and psychology of, and that's usually what I'm getting at because I'm very result-based when it comes to manifestation. Maybe that's my wounded inner child. It's like, want to see results and, you know, I want to fix. (laughs) And so a lot of, you know, the conversation is, you know, like really talking through neural pathways and healing through, you know, anything to do with psychology. And, and it's fascinating because everybody's different, but we did kind of really work deeply with her to create a system within what we have as our daily practice, you know, and it's all through hypnosis, like a very specific version that we do in house. And then she really taught us some key things that had to happen to create the neural pathways quicker, you know, and it's things like action after it was humongous. It's just so fast. So like, let's say you go in and, and you get to the subconscious, you pull it forward in these hypnosis and you really find the root memory and, and, you know, we, we reprogram is what we call it. It doesn't mean that you're changing the memory. It means that you're changing the emotions surrounding the memory that happened from disempowered to empowered essentially. And then from that, you know, it's, it's things like the journaling, but she really taught us that you have to follow up and reread your journal prompts. So she's taken things to a whole nother level to help that go faster. But it's fascinating because what I find, you know, I'm simply the person in house that can read energetics and channel this, you know, system, but I think it really depends on how ready you are for change, like how ready you are Mm -hmm. to, how ready your nervous system is for change. So that can look so different for many people, you know, and getting back to what we're talking about, like I'm already in a privilege, even though I grew up with two young parents and, you know, I have a story and I had a big lack mentality, et cetera, but simply being a white female in the areas I grew up, I mean, I already inherently had, I would say a nervous system that was more open, more relaxed. So it really depends, I think, on people's trauma, where they come from, the stories that were imprinted in them of what's possible, not only in life, but in healing. Like what's really possible in happiness in a calm nervous system in a healthy body, a healthy mind. So I think that's one piece, like how open is your nervous system? How ready is it? And I think that we have not a great deal of control over that, but I think we have a great deal of identifying where our nervous system is, you know, cause some of us, if we're really, really deep in our trauma still, we always recommend like do the side-by-side with a therapist, do this with a support group. If you can't afford a therapist, et cetera. But based on that, you know, we tend to have an idea like If I'm still really deep in my trauma and I haven't addressed any of it, a lot of our nervous system and our subconscious is going to be very closed off. It's kind of like a shell, you know, it's like a clam. It's like, no, no, no. Because if I open up, there's a lot of pain there. So I think to me, what I've witnessed working with many people, how, how ready is your nervous system? You know, where are you at on that, that scale? So it's not like, how ready are you for your manifestation to come through? It's truly like, 
how ready are you to go on this journey to fully open up, to open up Pandora's box and look in and clean out the cobwebs and start to give yourself a hug and change everything. So that's one piece. And then the second piece is how expanded are you and how self-aware are you? You know, so getting back to that conversation earlier about expanders, some people can be so deep in their shadow. I've been there before where when you witness somebody who has what you want or are successful in what you want, it can be extremely triggering and it'll be so hard to get past that and do the work, which we show you of how to find that to be actually really expansive for your subconscious. So also to give just a little bit of history to people with the expander piece, you know, which is the second really big part of this process. If we are deep in our shadow you know, in the way I think many people listening to this are familiar with shadow. Anytime that we experience shame or pain growing up, often we took that aspect. So say, you know, and I'll give a very surface level example, but say when I'll give a personal example, and this is extremely surface level, but it shows, and I think this highlights, you know, things we've been talking about, but I remember walking into a store one day and there was a woman walking in front of us and she had a lot of cellulite on her legs. And my mom pointed it out. And she said, if you don't, if you don't stop eating the way you've been eating, you'll look like that. So that's a really good example. I know. And like, this is like patriarchy in, in a nutshell, like the most <laughs> like obvious example of that. But I remember going, oh, if I look like that, I'm not lovable. And that's a really good example in a very surface, non-emotionally charged version of okay, cool. Well, then if I look like that, I need to put that into my shadow. So what that means is like pieces of us that we have disassociated from either through witnessing somebody being shamed and going, oh, if I behave the way that person's behaving and these people who are, who are supposed to love me and I'm supposed to feel safe around are judging that person, I better do everything to not be anything like that person because getting back to the crux of society, love and connection is humongous for survival, right? That's still how I think we're biologically programmed. So kind of like rounding back to my earlier conversation, how much are we willing to open up our shadow and go, oh, a lot of this isn't my story. A lot of this was programmed into me either through media, through familial, through societal, through, I like to say like educational at school. I picked up a lot of stuff there through mm -hmm. this work, you know, especially in public school and stuff like that. So how willing are we to go anytime I'm triggered by something outside of me if I start to take accountability, and I don't mean if you've gone through like massive trauma that you're saying it's my fault, that's not at all what I mean. But the way that I like to propose it is if I like, if I'm wanting to heal and I'm wanting to start expanding and unblocking subconscious beliefs, how willing am I to take my power back by saying, look, if I have control over this, this experience, you know, like I'm going to take accountability that that thing that happened, I'm actually going to take my power back by opening up and starting to shift and transform that, which we call integrating our shadow, that those two sectors are going to really, really determine how quickly I think someone's subconscious can shift. So how open is your nervous system? How open am I and willing to integrate my shadow? Because one is going to unblock your subconscious limiting beliefs, which we 
teach and manifestation is literally the wall that keeps your manifestation from coming through. It's literally saying, please stay away from me. You're not safe and I can't have you. So whether it's love or money or, you know, it could be something just like self-worth. There's something inside of you that you picked up very specific instances of trauma. And it can be, when I say trauma, some people are like, but I had the best childhood and I had this experience and I'll give this example. When I was doing a speaking tour, I was in London and I met up with a friend's friend. We all had dinner, you know, after, and, and she was this very successful woman. She had exited her company, you know, like really on fire from a business standpoint. And she was like, I can't understand why I haven't found like the loving relationship that I really desire. And so I'm like, cool, let's, let's open up and just very briefly and quickly look at your childhood. And she was like, oh, my parents had the best relationship. They're still together today. They're so compatible. And I'm like, awesome. Did they have the relationship that you want? And she's like, oh God, no, my mom was a stay at home mom. It was like, you know, it was like, she could never follow her dreams. My dad was very successful. And I was like, right. So when you were little looking up out of your lens at your parents' relationship, you were like, oh, that's a jail. Like I literally, for my own personal authentic self, like that looks like I would be really stuck in a cage. So in, in your world, you've done everything in your adult life to get away from that. Like you've become so successful. You've exited your company. You're, you know, you're like starting all these other companies, but you're single because still subconsciously your small child is thinking that the imprintation that she witnessed of her parents, that's what love has to be. Or a relationship has to be. And it's like, you have to expand out of that. So I was like, how many other women do you know, like yourself that are in relationships that you desire? And she's like, none. <laughs> I was like, cool. So your subconscious has literally never seen an expander that's like you and has a relationship that you desire. So right now your subconscious, when it comes to love, literally has the wall up, which we call blocks that, that are that's saying like, stay back. This isn't what I want. It's not safe because it's still running on that, you know, programming that that's what a relationship has to be. So that really shows really clearly how one would have to unblock and how open are you to integrating, you know, and expanding, you know, and really, really going out there and finding and showing your subconscious for the first time. Oh, for my personal authentic self, this is what would be right for me. So it kind of like, that's a very long winded, you know, explanation to tell you it can happen very quickly based on those two factors, or it can take time. If you're not ready, if you're, you know, your nervous system is, is not ready to open up to all of that, or if you haven't had the right support to make you feel safe, to be able to do that or the right community, you know, and that's a huge part of our program is community. Huge, huge, huge. Oh, I think it's a really powerful example. I'm exceedingly careful about what I buy. Not only because I live in a 1,500-square-foot house with children who sure have an awful lot of stuff, but also because I try to be conscious about everything I use. In short, I want to use everything I buy. In addition, thanks to a decade in the wellness industry, I am very keyed into product claims and product content. This is why I like Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin, which is clinically backed with high-quality, traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. I also like their Symbiotic Plus 2, which is a probiotic that's simple and effective. Ritual makes the most elegant multivitamin around. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus has everything you need, specifically nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. 
Their unique beetle-litten oil is so slick it's actually patented, and their capsule has a delayed-release design, which is brilliant and essential, to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. And Ritual studies their vitamins, which is not the standard in the industry. Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy. The results? It increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. As most of us are getting far less sun right now, vitamin D supplementation is essential. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is one of the few women's multis that's USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark. It's also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. Did I also mention that Ritual is a certified B Corp and female-founded? Nothing makes me happier than these two facts. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com thread. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash thread for 25% off. I was at this retreat with this woman, Krista Schumacher, who I work with, who channels yeah. Yeshua. She's amazing. In a retreat when she was channeling, this woman, we, we had submitted questions and this older woman was like, why, you know, why haven't I had a relationship and why haven't, or why haven't I been able to attract a relationship? And Yeshua Carissa was like, you guys and your law of attraction, like yeah, that yeah, is yeah. not the law. Like yeah. what I would ask you is what are you repelling? Oh, How are you it. repellent? Like yes. what is it that you are like, this isn't about attracting and like, if I want it, I'll make it. So, I mean, it goes back to the sort of how you open with the, the way that manifestation has been taught which also create make people paranoid, right? Because you're scared of your own thoughts, your own conscious thoughts of like we can have a very long conversation about that. <laughs> right. Like if I think that it's gonna come true and but but yeah, it was it goes to exactly what you were saying about what is it in you that's repellent. And that's that's the work. That's the work. Hundred percent. In the concept of expanders, you talk about fragment expanders. I've heard sort of your checklist, but what are the qual like you might not want anything about you might only want one tiny yes. part, right? But you can still knit together what it would look like for you. Yeah, I think this is a really big deal in the work because I know when we initially, I initially launched on my own, people were like, ah, like I live in a small town. How do I find, you know, this person that, that inhabits all of these qualities? And, and that's where I started to, you know, and what I talk about with manifestation and my gift of channeling I can read energetics and I'm a claircognizant. So it's actually kind of tricky because I just know things. And it took me many years to trust that I, you know, I don't get to hear, I don't get to see, I have like very small abilities in that, but mine is just knowing, which is really hard to hone down. And once I did, it's like reading the energetics of manifestation started to feel like the way I can put it kind of into material terms. It's like, when you're just sort of touching silk like this, you learn how to, how to feel into certain energetic pieces. And one of them 
I started to go, okay, there's such a thing as fragment expanders. And why that analogy that I just gave matters is because you can start to feel into on social media while watching TV. I don't, you know, maybe people are watching TV. I think it's a great place to find expanders because our subconscious is completely on automatic during that time. It comes forward. We're in a hypnotic state watching TV, you know? So if you throw on a movie that say, there's nothing about this rom-com that you identify with, except for the version of the two best friends in it, their dynamic. And you've been really trying to manifest community. And I say rom-com because it's lighthearted, you know, it's not too heavy. And so you're really, really identifying and you're in the subconscious hypnotic state. Your subconscious is imprinting in real time. Oh, wow, that's possible. And I'll give a little example of this. My astrologer, who I've been great friends with for years, had been really trying to manifest a partner. And she had, she's from, you know, like the Upper East Side of New York, et cetera, had always attracted these men like her father, like very powerful older men. And she started watching Sons of Anarchy, which was kind of off-brand for her. And she had this like very visceral experience with one of the characters on it where, and we do live in LA where she was like, am I supposed to be with him? <laughs> I was like, you'd be surprised how often I hear this and this happens. Maybe, I don't know, but the odds are slim. <laughs> so I think he might be married. The odds are slim. But anyway, what you're witnessing is your soul is finally communicating for the first time to you where you're really listening to what it, it the experience it desires. And what that was, you know, it was like somebody who was younger and rugged and could like, you know, just like walked on the wild side, had an accent, you know, just so different, playful, you know, a little dark, a little bit light, you know, complex. And so I was like, you're, and I could tell where she was at in her process. She was very, very, very close to calling in her partner. Literally the next week, she walks into Rose Cafe and a guy with the same type of accent who had just gotten off of his motorbike with his helmet in hand walked up and asked her out. I mean, almost identical to this character. And it's such a good example of, you know, and that's like, not she was witnessing for the first time like a very big expander but there are fragments and you can get those from anywhere and so one term that we've coined recently on one of these explained episodes is there are also bridge expanders so like let's take the person who is trying to call in a completely different career you know once the pandemic hit when i was explaining and channeling at the top of it from an energetic level of why it was a blessing in many people's lives was it's taking any of us that are in a rut or not on our aligned path. And it's knocking us right off of that, whether we like it or not, like that's, it's bringing into focus what our soul desires and maybe how close we are to that or how far away we are from that based on these societal models we've been fed that we have to do to be happy. And so a big piece of that was a lot of people were changing careers, right? They were starting podcasts, they were starting new entrepreneurial endeavors and really kind of listening to themselves for the first time and had the ability at home may it have been, you know, that they were receiving. I think my assistant told me she received a severance. You know, she had finally the first time in her life, she could just be at home and do what she wanted. And so the beauty of that, let's say you're manifesting a whole separate career during that time, where you are now and what I would get in my practice a lot when I was working one-on-one with people, I would say, 
very big percentage were lawyers. <laughs> they come to me <laughs> and they're like, I hate my career and I hate my job. And that's not to say all lawyers do. Some people really get into the right profession, but many of them, you know, it was the, the, the road that was fed to them. Like, if you do this, you're lovable, you know, and you'll be secure and you'll be set. You're kind of hitting those things that you talked about safety, security, but the lack potentially of purpose. And I think purpose is such a humongous driver for mental health, in my opinion. And that's, that's, you know, very brass thing to say, because I'm not a mental health expert, but the work I've done with people purpose, which I like to call what your soul desires is tremendous for happiness, tremendous. So long-winded, but let's just take, you know, that person who's maybe a lawyer and they're like, I want to be a yoga instructor. I mean, whatever the thing is, it could be anything. I want to be a, I want to be a fishing, you know, coach. I don't know, whatever the thing is, but you're so far away from success in that different, you know, field that I tell people it's so important to go find bridge expander. So who is a person that you identify with who has gone on and completely changed careers? And maybe they're at the midpoint of that success. It doesn't have to mean that they're in the exact career you want. It's just to show the mechanics in your subconscious to open up that clock and look for the first time and see the mechanics inside and how they work. Because if you are somebody who went from like, let's say, taking the bar, becoming an associate after a couple of internships, as, you know, like a legal, whatever. Now you're, you've been in a firm and your whole trajectory is just to keep climbing and, you know, doing better until you become a partner. Not one aspect of that. I don't know. I've never been a lawyer, but to me, not one aspect of that really cries entrepreneurship, right? So it's like, you have to go and find what we call bridge or fragment, or if you're lucky enough to have somebody in your life that you identify with, who's completely in the other career that you want and is successful and is willing to maybe apprentice or show you to again, open up those mechanics inside of your subconscious to go step one, two, three, and four usually gets to this and your subconscious goes, Oh, whoa. If you did step one, I definitely get like, that's a big piece I'll see with people. They'll have that aha moment where they'll say, if you could do that, I could definitely do that. That's when you know, you found the right expansion. So that's such a big piece. And that's where it's like, you know, not to get back to the very first point I was making, but visualization can only take you so far because who you're contending with when you're manifesting is your subconscious period. Yeah. It's sort of the only competition. Um, Literally literally the only competition. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's so powerful to think about the ways that we can use each other to embolden ourselves to dream bigger. And like, that's, that's what's required, I think, socially. And it's not a, again, not an either or like a leapfrogging. It is a I, you are showing me what's possible, and that's an amazing gift and not a threat. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You talked about taking action. And so what does that look like? Yeah. And so the aligned action piece 
it can show up in many ways, but the energetic of it, that's so important getting back to the three things that have to be in motion. It's unblocking, expanding, and then the aligned action. And so the aligned action can look a couple of different ways. And the, what I believe in my own channeling and again, that like a silky dancing with the universe, I believe that the greatest intention, you know, of why we're here. And I won't say that this is the biggest, but when it comes to manifestation, I think the greatest intention is getting back to our whole authentic worthy selves, you know, that we literally, our souls were as it was, you know, I don't know, floating around our parents and about to take a body like that energetic, you know, integration. And I think through childhood, again, through media, society, familial, et cetera, we have a lot of imprintation of pain, you know, and, and shame and things that make us disassociate from that. And so the aligned action piece is all about anything you need to do directly that you can see with what you're calling in that will help you to get deeper into that aligned, authentic, worthy space. So for some people that can look like jumping off of a cliff. I mean, we have like very step-by-step through the process while you're doing this actionables, but it can look like, I know I'm in the wrong relationship and I'm calling in the right one. And it's like, what are the actions I need to take? A big piece of this is being tested, you know, and a lot of people never talked about this in manifestation. I started to see this pop up every time I was manifesting that I would be tested. And what that looks like, say, calling in a new relationship. And let's say in the prior one, I had been kind of a doormat and I was dating the wrong people or, you know, whatever low self-worth behavior I was doing because of my own, you know, lack of unblocking yet. What will happen when we start to call in that new dating experience or new relationship that we're really desiring is the universe will be like, okay, cool. You know, what you're asking for, the aligned, authentic, worthy um, self of that person is here. And right now, the way you're behaving is here. (laughs) And so what action needs to happen to communicate that like energetic resonance? And so what it'll often do is it'll send a dating experience that is very similar to your past experience, you know, and you have to go like, oh, I see what you're doing universe here. No, thanks. Passing this. And then it starts to get harder because, you know, what you'll be presented are, are experiences that are very close to your list and all of the things you're looking for, but say maybe emotionally unavailable. It's the person who it's like everything I called in. Oh my gosh, this is my soulmate, et cetera. And then it's like, but they just communicated to me that they don't want anything serious if that's what I'm desiring. And so those are what we call tests. And so that aligned action piece is usually passing tests or taking any type of action you need getting out of an experience, pivoting an experience, et cetera, to show the universe and communicate, okay, I'm really getting on my path. Like I'm really in my worth. Yeah, no, it's so true. I feel like those tests, they come fast and furious. They and then, do. And I, I really fail a lot of them where I, I, that's the phase I'm in right now where it's like I do yeah. ha- I'm starting to really understand the dream that I have for myself, mm. which is feels attainable. And then I'll continually make decisions based on fear and scarcity yeah. and busyness and yeah. distraction. And then I'm like, why am I giving up on myself? And yeah. You know, but the beautiful thing is, 
the moment that you, you know, even in those moments of say busyness, like you didn't even have it within you to like sit down and get clear and say like, is this intentional with what I want in my bigger picture? You know, like, let's just say it was busy. The beautiful thing is, is the universe just keeps sending tests. <laughs> just know it. You can't fail. There's just another opportunity. And I like to say, it's kind of like the carrot being dangled where it's like, are you going to go after the carrot or you're going to go, it's cool. I'll eat this instead, which is right for me. And that's when the universe goes, finally. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's so true. It's so true. I love, I love your program. I think it's so powerful. And I think too, like, I, I I have this tendency and it's again, it goes back to the social programming of like blame the mother, blame yeah. the parents, like someone to blame. And so much of this has outside of the family uh-huh. or it's uh, intergenerational and you're carrying on patterns and it's no one's fault. It's just Completely. your responsibility to fix it for yourself. Yeah. And like, that's the piece, you know, depending on where we are and our pain that I just love to say, like to reframe the whole point is doing this work, like getting to a place where you're integrated enough, where you take your power back. Like that's really Mm -hmm. rather than pointing fingers or, you know, it's really about empowerment, essentially, like, you know, even deep, deep traumas where you get to a point where you're like, wow, that person like hurt people, hurt people, you know, and it's, it's in a way not their fault, you know? So when you start to get to that integrated place, a lot of the blame, you know, starts to fall. And, and I think that's where the true freedom is, you know, but it takes time and everybody has their process. And I like the last thing I sit around and do is, is blame my parents. Cause that's only, it's, you're going to stay, it's the same thing as think positive. Like you stay in the same comfortable zone forever. You don't push past it. And, and I do believe like we're here and we're headed in the direction of consciousness. If we're on the train, I think everybody's being offered the train, but it's like in this lifetime, are we going to hop on it? And how far are we going to go? You know, what stops do we have along the way? And, and the beauty of it, the further you go on the train, the more freedom you have, the less that you feel those feelings anymore. I have many friends who have done Lacey's workshops. She has many, sort of the main manifestation one, and then as well as other ones around this unblocking work. And I really think it's a powerful program. It's it's funny, she sort of was like, oh, I'm so results obsessed, but I love stuff like this that lives in the world that, uh, that people think of as being more woo-woo, where you can actually point to proof and get that assurance or reassurance that you're moving in the right direction. And if you can't tell, I am exceptionally enthusiastic about this idea of expanders and reframing the way that we tend to be taught to think about women who are modeling lives that we would like to have for ourselves, that it is always taught to us as an off with her head when the reality is there is more than enough room and expansion and abundance available for all of us. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. You can find show notes and full transcripts of the episodes at theelisepodcast.com. Please sign up for my newsletter. I promise I won't spam you. Or follow me on Instagram at Elise Lunen to get updates on new episodes. I'd also like to give a huge thank you to my sponsors who make this show possible. 
please support them the way they support this podcast. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. If you enjoyed this episode, please listen, rate, review, and follow Pulling the Thread, available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts, i.e. wherever you're listening right now. I also want to thank you in advance for sharing any episodes with friends who you think might like the show because that is how podcasts grow. I want to give a shout out to Phil Svitek, Lauren LaGrasso, Serena Reagan, Mary-Kate McDonough, and the entire Cadence 13 team for producing these episodes. And to Valero Duvall for my key art. Take care of yourselves. I'll see you next week.